0: I don't know about you, but that short little video pumps me up. Gets the heart pumping, the adrenaline pumping, ready to run into battle, which is good because a battle's happening right now. No, I'm not talking about the battles that are going on in our world. I'm not talking about the battles that are happening in our nation. I'm not talking about the battles that may or may not be going on down at DS Kids right now. Talking about the battle that's happening right here in this sanctuary at this very moment. You don't even have to run from one end to the other. You can stay right where you're seated because the battle is taking place in your heart and in my heart. Whether we realize it or not, there is a battle for the throne of your heart happening this very moment as idols, false gods, are trying to dethrone God from the number one place in your heart. Or at the very least, they want to co-rule with God in your heart. And the scary thing is, we don't even necessarily realize it. Because we don't struggle with idols, right? In the 21st century America, we don't bow down to idols... When we think of idols, what do we think of? We think of statues like in Athens, where Paul walks around and he sees all these statues with all these inscriptions on them. That's an idol, and we don't bow down to them, therefore we don't have idols, right? Wrong. An idol is anything that you love more than God and or trust more than God and or obey more than God. Love more than God, trust more than God, obey more than God. Even the good things in your life can become an idol. Your family can become an idol. Your job can become an idol. The ministry can become an idol. Anything can become an idol that we love more than God, trust more than God, obey more than God. So over the next six weeks, we're going to look at the battle for our hearts. Over the next six weeks, we're going to shine a light into the dark corners of our hearts to see where the idols are, what the idols are, that are trying to dethrone God. And if that doesn't sound fun, you're partially right. It's not going to be. Because anything that loves to hide in the darkness does not like the light. And so we are going to go into our hearts and shine the light of the truth of God's word into the dark corners of our hearts where the idols hide. And it's not going to necessarily be fun at times. However, we are also going to see the incredible love of our Savior. We are going to see a God who pursues us and battles for our hearts. Just stop and think right there. The God of this world who really doesn't need us, pursues our hearts, battles for it, because he loves us and wants us. And then we're going to see how God, the God of this world, fills every desire that our hearts have that we are trying to fill with idols. Because an idol is behind every sin that you struggle with. An idol is behind every discouragement that you have. An idol is behind every single lack of purpose that you feel. God fills all of it. And that's what we're going to see over the next six weeks. Today, though, we're going to start by answering three questions. Number one, how does God feel about our relationship with idols? Number two, how does God feel about our relationship with Him? And then number three, what does this mean for our lives? We're going to look at all of this in Exodus chapter 20. And so let me give you just a brief history here. Where are we at in context? Exodus chapter 20. The Israelites had been slaves for, to the Egyptians for 400 years. The book of Exodus starts, they've been slaves for 400 years, and then God sends Moses. He calls Moses to go and free the people. And so Moses goes to Pharaoh, and that's when we have the ten plagues. Pharaoh releases them after the ten plagues, and they're on their way out. They get stopped by the Red Sea. God parts the Red Sea. The Israelites walk across on dry ground, and they're free. They're free from their slavery to the Egyptians. And then they go from up north, and they travel way south to Mount Sinai. And it's on Mount Sinai that God calls Moses up onto the mountain to give him the commandments and to give him his word to write down on stone. That's where we pick up. Moses is on the mountain, the Israelites are on the base of the mountain. And here's what God says Exodus chapter 20, starting at verse 2 I am the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself an image in the form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. You shall not bow down to, the, to them or worship them. Let's stop right there. Normally, I, I, I think when we think of the commandments, the Ten Commandments, we think of laws, right? Which makes sense. God literally said, you shall have no other gods. That's a law. <laughs> but we can kind of get the wrong idea about God because we think that God sometimes is a dictator God with these commandments. We look at the Old Testament and, oh, God was so mean, and he's, he's kind of like a dictator God. Do this, don't do that. And yet look how God starts this section. I am the Lord, your God, who brought you, up, uh, who brought you out of Egypt, out of the land of slavery. What is God highlighting here? His unbelievable grace. His grace and his mercy. Before he gets into any of the commandments, God says, I'm the Lord your God who delivered you from slavery. That's who I am. If you would have asked the the average Israelite when they were in Egypt, if you would have said, hey, do you think you guys can escape here? Do you think you guys can leave Egypt? They would have said, no. The Egyptians are bigger, stronger, faster, more powerful. There's no way we can escape. That's why, Moses, we've been crying out to God for hundreds of years to make us, help us escape. We can't do it. And then God sent Moses to deliver them from slavery. And what had the Israelites done to deserve it? Nothing. Nothing. They didn't do a single thing to earn God's love and favor that God should look down and say, you know what, I'm going to deliver this people from from their slavery. It was all grace. God says, I'm the Lord your God who delivered you from slavery. So don't have any other God before me. Don't make an image. Don't bow down to an image. I am your one and only. And that's your first point today. God wants to be your one and only. You and I have a a big advantage over the Israelites, don't we? We have the completed book of salvation, we know God's salvation plan, His deliverance plan. We know Jesus, how God led all of human history. To send Jesus into the world, His one and only Son, who took on flesh, to live for us, to die on the cross, rise again, and in doing so, He delivered us from our slavery to sin. He delivered us from our slavery from the to the grave, and He delivered us from our slavery to the devil. No longer does sin have power over us. No longer does death conquer us. No longer does the devil have influence over us because Jesus has delivered us from the slavery to it all. And God says, look at my love. I love you with this love. I gave up my only son for you. Now I want to be your one and only. Don't do any DIY projects in your heart. Don't make any idol to bow down to. Don't chase after other gods. I want to be your one and only. And yet, how often doesn't our heart pursue the idols of our culture and the idols that we create in our hearts? Remember, what is an idol? It's anything you love more than God, trust more than God, and obey more than God. And so over the next couple of weeks, we are going to look at specific idols that we struggle with in our culture and in our lives. But today, let's just ask ourselves some practical questions. Because we can name all the idols, but really our actions and what we are pursuing shows what idol we are struggling with. So let's ask some questions. What do you daydream about the most? What are you thinking about the most? Because whatever you're thinking about the most is what your heart loves and is going after. Is it God? A hobby? Some other project? Where's your sanctuary? What are you trusting to run to when your heart is hurting? When you're overwhelmed? When you're anxious? Where do you run To find sanctuary? Is it the pantry? The refrigerator? The liquor cabinet? Is it hours of numbing TV so you don't have to think about reality? Is it pornography? Is it opening up a novel and just reading it all night long? Video games? Where is your sanctuary that you are trusting to make you feel better when everything seems to be crashing down? What are you trusting to give you purpose in life? What are you trusting to give you identity in this life? Do you have an identity crisis as a new season in life changes? If so, it's because your identity is being found in a false god. Do you wonder throughout the day what your purpose in life is? If so, you're looking to a false God to give you purpose. Trusting that to give you dr- drive and direction. And finally, what are you obeying? What is changing your thoughts? What is changing the way you talk? What is changing your actions? Is it the news? Is it your friend group? Is it things you read? What's causing you to rearrange your schedule? Is it your job? Athletics? What are you listening to? What are you obeying and changing yourself to accommodate? There you will find your idol. And how does God feel about all this? says, I want to be your one and only. He says, do not create a false god. Do not bow down to an idol. Do not love it. Do not trust it. Do not obey it. I want to be your one and only. He says to the Israelites, I am the Lord God, your God, who has delivered you. God is your Lord God, who's delivered you from sin. He wants to be you're one and only. So, how does he feel when he's not? Here's how he continues For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing the children for the sin of the parents to the fourth, third, and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing love to a thousand generations of those who love me and keep my commandments. We know a lot of characteristics of God, don't we? On Wednesday, uh, Pat, our principal, did chapel uh, for the kids, and it was, who is God? And he had a picture up on the screen, and it had all these different names for God. And I looked, and guess which one wasn't on there? Jealous. We know God's all-powerful. We know he's omniscient. He knows everything. We know that He's omnipresent. He's present everywhere. We know He's holy. We know He's just. We know He's perfect. We know He's loving, gracious, merciful. But do we think of Him as a jealous God? Probably not very often. What does God have to be jealous about? Doesn't He own everything in the world? <laughs> Isn't He greater than anything? Yes, can anything compare to God? Does anything come close to God in the world? Not in reality. But what about your heart? God says, I'm jealous. And he's jealous for your heart. He doesn't want to share it. There's a great story of Michael Jordan that he tells in his book, Driven from Within, uh, he was at a friend's house one night and they were getting ready to go out to dinner and he said, hey, it's kind of cold outside, kind of like it is in here this morning. Uh, and he said, can I borrow a jacket? And the guy said, yeah, the coat closet's down over there, go ahead and help yourself. So Michael Jordan went down to the closet and the house fell silent. And the guy waited and he waited and finally Michael Jordan emerged and he had a whole armful Of clothes and without saying a word he came at his friend to his friend and at his feet dropped all the clothes and went back to the closet and immediately the friend knew what he was doing he looked and at his feet was all the clothes that he owned that were made by Puma Michael Jordan is sponsored by Nike and so Michael Jordan came back the second time with gear and with clothing and he dropped it at his friend's feet didn't say anything, went to the kitchen, grabbed the knife, came over, and shredded it all. He then picked up the clothes that were shredded, went out to the trash, threw it in the trash, and he came back and he said to his friend, Hey, dude, uh, call my rep in the morning. He'll replace everything that I just destroyed. But don't let me ever see you wearing a Puma gear again. You can't ride the fence. What Michael Jordan found in his friend's closet were both Nike and Puma gear. And he helped him get rid of all the Puma gear. You can't ride the fence. As you crack open the closet in your heart, what is in there? God and what? Where are you trying to ride the fence? God says don't because he's jealous for your heart. What do you think of that? God's a jealous God. Does it make God seem kind of petty? Like if it's a teenage relationship here? The difference between God's jealousy and human jealousy is human jealousy is all about who? Me. Me. It's selfish jealousy. But God's jealousy is all about love. Love for you. Because He loves your heart so much, He wants it guarded. He wants it protected. He wants it delivered from the slavery to sin, death, and the devil. God's relationship with you is one of a jealous God, but it's a jealous love. And that's your second point. God has jealous love for you. God's love is all-consuming. We can't even fathom it. And it is completely selfless kind of love. God's love does not benefit him whatsoever. God's love is all about you, protecting you, guarding you, wanting the best for you and for me. God has a jealous love for us because he wants us to experience the freedom, the joy that comes with freedom, the peace that comes with freedom, the purpose and identity that comes with the freedom that he's won for us. He wants us to have happiness and joy found in him. And what does he know? That the idols that we pursue can't offer that. The idols that we pursue lead us into slavery because they make promises that they can't deliver on. They promise but can't fulfill. God can, and he does. God has a jealous love for you. And how do we see that? He says, I am the Lord your God. What does God say to us? I am yours. I am yours. We we say that in relationships, don't we? Especially when we start relationships and we're in that mushy gushy uh, stage in the relationship where we're, we're feeling all lovey dovey, and I'm yours. God showed the extent of how much he is ours by sending Jesus. You want to know how much God is yours? God says, here, have all of me. Have my son. And he sent Jesus into this world to battle for your heart, to show you the extent of his love, And what's the extent of his love? Romans 5 says, While we were still sinners, while we were off pursuing other idols, Christ died for us. While we were still sinners, God said, I'm yours. Here's my son. And he went to the cross to pay for all our sins, to pay for the very deeds that we were doing, to pay for bowing down to other idols while we were in the process of it. Christ died for us, so that our sins are forgiven, so that we have peace with God. God says, look how much I'm yours, be mine. God has a jealous love for us, and it's in our God, and only in our God, that we have freedom, the joy that comes with freedom, the peace that comes with freedom, purpose that comes with freedom, and identity that comes with that comes with freedom, that can never be shaken. And it's all because of him. Let me ask you, as you think about this, what idol, what thing in this world loves you like that? Money doesn't love you like that. Materials don't love you like that. Your job doesn't love you like that. The ministry doesn't love you like that. Nothing sacrifices for you to that extent where he says, I'm yours. And how much? I'm giving myself to have you as my own. To forgive you. To conquer the grave. To have you as mine. How does God feel about our relationship with idols? Don't have them. He wants to be your one and only. How does he feel about our relationship with him? He's got jealous love for your heart. And so what's this mean for you and me? As we close up here, what's it mean for you and me? Two things. Number one, as we go through this series, let's open our hearts, let's be honest, and let's approach it with humility as we open our hearts and let God's word shine light into the idols that we have. Let's be open and honest about them. Because when we're open and honest, God can eradicate them. He can destroy them and remove them. And then number two, let's pursue God. God has pursued us. His love pursues us and pursues us and pursues us. So let's pursue Him. How? Two ways. Number one, yes, of course, be in God's Word. Be in His Word. And today's kickoff Sunday. It's kickoff a brand new season of ministry. And we have six studies starting today. Today at 11, we have a new Bible study on Philippians. And then throughout the week, you have five different opportunities to get knowing the Lord and growing in Him. Join one. But then, number two, pursue Him by loving Him, trusting Him, and obeying Him. Let him change your life. When we know the extent of God's love for us, which we do, when we know that he's forgiven us, that he loves us, he's conquered the grave, that he has made us his own, we want to rearrange our life. No longer are the Ten Commandments laws from a dictator, but now we want to fulfill them because he's our, he's our love. We're in a relationship with God and God is happy when we do those things and don't do those things. For instance, I'll give you an example from mine and Ann's marriage. I know, Ann just gave me this look. Oh, boy. Uh, So I do the dishes at home, and after I do the dishes, uh, what I normally do is I do the dishes, and I walk away, and there's food still in the sink. And Ann said to me finally, can you just wash all that food down the garbage disposal so that the sink is clean too? And I said, oh, yeah, sure. So now what do I do when I'm done doing the dishes? I clean out the sink because I know she likes it. That's the way we approach the commandments now. God says, I'm yours, be mine, and we rearrange our life to make him happy because that's what we do when we're in relationships. God wants to be your one and only. He's got jealous love for you. God says, I'm yours, be mine, and that's what we want because he's the God of this world who's conquered our sin who loves us enough to conquer the grave. He's freed us, delivered us from our sin, and so let's pursue Him. May God bless us as we walk through this study for the next several weeks. May He get rid of the idols that we have, and He rule our hearts today and forever. Amen. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank You for Your love that pursues us, We thank you for your love that sent your one and only son Jesus uh, who lived and died and rose to uh, deliver us from sin, death, and the devil. We thank you that it's in you that we have freedom and it's only through you that we have it. You could have ignored us. You could have let us go our own way, but you didn't. Like the the shepherd who leaves the 99 to come after the one, you have come after us and you pursue us again and again and again. Let your love for us Motivate us to love you back. We love you because you first loved us. Get rid of the idols in our hearts, guard our hearts, and rule our hearts both now and forever. In your name we pray. Amen.